Alright, welcome to the third down conversion podcast. This is the relaunch. I've tried to relaunch it before. We're trying it one more time. Yes, it is a play on my name. I am Patrick Khan, your host of the third down conversion podcast. I am the managing editor of LSU Tigers Wire and also Sooners Wire up until September 1st. Uh, today, you know, I like to do things differently on the show. So today I'm talking with my good buddy Zach Hicks of he covers the Colts for Sports Illustrated, uh, along with my buddy Jake Arthur, uh, who I worked with years ago. And anyway, so because I like to do things new, like to do things differently, we're going to talk about something that kind of caught my eye when I was watching Zach's Twitter feed recently. And first off, Zach, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for hopping on, uh, on on short notice to kind of record this different style of episode than uh what people are used to and we'll get into that in uh, just a moment but first off I just want to ask how you doing uh and how's how's Colts coverage coming along hey man I uh, appreciate you having me on but um yeah it's it's been all right I mean a lot of injuries so far this off season which have been a little tough uh navigating and stuff especially with you know fans are always super optimistic about everything and every time you even try to be somewhat realistic or, you know, you get called a pessimist and you call the hater and stuff. And it's like, man, I'm just trying to cover the team. Uh, so, you know, it's been interesting so far this off season to say the least, but I didn't know you worked with Jake before. Was that at that pro football spot? We did. Yeah. He all was, of us came from there. I came from there too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it was, I just remember Jake. Cause I was kind of, I was like the lead cowboy writer. Uh, okay. I was pro- small, small time. Like I was, yeah. they brought me on. It was my first ever writing gig for a site, actually, back in, I want to say 2016, 2017. And they had me doing scouting linebackers for the draft and just doing scouting reports on linebackers. Uh, so I think that class had, I, if we're on Skype right now, you probably see my, my profile pictures like Joe Schobert, I think. Yeah. And that's just because it was one of the pictures I had on my computer when I set up Skype. Uh, so I just threw that on there because I had to make my own pictures for those scouting reports. And I had like Joe Schober, Jatavis Brown, all those guys who were big back then. But yeah, I just did that for pro football spot and kind of moved on. But yeah, everyone came from pro football spot, man. That's where everybody got their start. Yeah. I was doing pro football spot and then I left and uh, started doing my own thing again and got on with uh, WFAA channel eight in Dallas started uh, writing, nice. you know, three weekly pieces for them uh, leading up to, obviously like leading up to games and then in the off season was in a, it was all NFL draft and I was their only pretty much their only draft guy. So I was the only one writing on that. Um, and then I went from there to USA today nice. and started nice, doing nice. college football, started out with Longhorns wire, got moved to Sooners wire and now LSU as the season's getting ready to kick off. Uh, but yeah, I worked with Jay back then that was, or I'm sorry, I, I worked with Jake back then. So it, it was a lot of fun. That's kind of how we met. And so, but I thought it was interesting. So the topic of today is covering a team that you're not a fan of. And this topic kind of got brought up because I was watching some interactions between Zach and Jake and some fans were like, oh, you, you know, you're, you know, you're not even a fan of the team. And it's <laughs> it, it, what was interesting to me about that is most writers who cover teams aren't fans of that team whatsoever. Now, yeah. Maybe it's a little different in today's world where you have, you know, like USA Today wire sites, Cowboys wire. Katie Drummond's a huge Cowboys fan. You know, we had Patrick Walker on there, and now he's covering for CBS. 
Patrick Walker's a huge Cowboys fan. You know, I know Jake, huge Colts fan. Uh, but for the most part, people are covering teams that they're not a fan of. Uh, Benjamin Albright, he covers the Broncos. He's not a Broncos fan. He's actually a Chiefs fan. So, you know, it's it's not uncommon, but I thought it was interesting. And I, I wanted to bring it up to you. Like, like, what is it like covering a team? And do you think you have advantages that maybe some other writers don't because you are not emotionally invested in that team? Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's it's so much better as a writer because, you know, I, I grew up a Washington football fan, uh, Washington Redskins. Um, you know, I was always a fan of that. I always saw their losing seasons throughout my, my childhood and stuff and and even did have a job covering the, the team. You know, I, I did Locked On Redskins for uh, like a year, year and a half. And, and you know, it, it's fun covering the team that you grew up loving and grew up watching and stuff it's great because you you get more access you know the, the, when you're a little kid you always dream about going to training camp and and seeing those players and stuff and then when you're covering the team you can actually have be like credential a training camp and stuff like that so it's really cool it's, it's a really awesome experience um i think though as a writer especially someone like me i do so much film stuff i do some story pieces as well i just think it helps me be unbiased when covering a team because i don't like, like I want the Colts to win. I want them to be successful. It helps me. It helps the people who I'm interacting with uh, because it makes everyone, everything positive and, and it grows whatever site you're working for. But at the end of the day, I, I don't really feel that emotional connection to the Colts being super, super successful or super, you know, being a, a, a failing team, you know, anything like that. I just, I just kind of see what I see. I talk about what I see and, and sometimes you get reactions like I did the other day on social media and stuff like that, being like calling me not a fan and calling me a pessimist and stuff where it's like, you know, I just, I just talk about what I see and, and try to be as unbiased as possible. Now I, I'm sure I still have biases. I've been covering uh, the Colts since 2018. Like I'm going to have some biases involved with that because that's the team I've been following so close for years. But I think it's, I think it's actually a really nice experience covering a team that you don't have that, that emotional fan feeling towards because it kind of eliminates some of those biases and eliminates some of those, those feelings that you kind of have when it comes to that team, you can kind of see the big picture and, and overall things a lot easier. Yeah. I kind of noticed that back like in 2019, I noticed that my bias was getting in the way of my analysis of the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, and, and not in a positive way. Um, it wasn't that I was just being super high, like I was saying, oh, the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl, anything like that. I noticed it when I was watching one player and critiquing him, and I never said anything nice about him, ever. And I still, to this day, <laughs> will not. I cannot stand Jalen Smith. I can't yeah. stand him. And so um, when I realized it, I was like, probably would be time to step away. Mm -hmm. I'll cover a team that I have no bias towards. You know, and somebody asked me, oh, would you cover the Eagles? So, you know, Cowboys and Eagles fans, we don't get along. If you pay me enough, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not a team I'm not going to cover just yeah. because of that. Um, you know, growing up in West Texas, I was – I hated Texas Longhorns. Like, that's what I was taught. I hated Oklahoma. I was taught that. But guess what? I covered both teams, and I had no bias towards them. No ill feelings. It was just like, this is my job, and this is what I'm going to do. But yeah, when I noticed how I was feeling about Jalen, I was like, okay, it's time. It's time to back away because I was letting that get in my way. You know, I was like, yeah. it, it didn't matter what Jalen did. I was going to say something negative about it. 
Um, you know, and so, you know, you have those and, and now you're talking about, uh, you know, covering the Colts and, you know, being, you know, I don't, you're never getting too high. You're never getting too low. Maybe, you know, and, and even when you are, you know, maybe not so much negative against the Colts, but when you critique them, people are going to get upset, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know right now you're probably wishing that the entire Indianapolis team would wrap all their starters up in bubble wrap. <laughs> I do. And I do. do not let them on the field in the preseason whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, is that kind of how you felt though? I mean, kind of like with me, like with the bias, like when you covered Washington, did you feel that way sometimes that you let your fandom get in the way of being, you know, objective? Yeah, I think there were degrees. I, I think I was always more like you too, though, when it came to my favorite team where I was overly negative on my own team than I was overly positive. You know, I, I mean, I grew up a Washington fan. I mean, you grew up a Cowboys fan. It's kind of, I mean, obviously it's hard to think of them as the same the last 20 years, but same amount of playoff success, same amount of Super Bowl wins since 90, you know, 94, 92, whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, I was always a little too negative, but I do think there is a place for like those fan centered podcasts and fan centered yeah, commentary and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of great fan podcasts. I will say that my, probably my best ever episode covering Washington was like a 10 minute reaction video where I was just kind of, ranting about the Alex Smith trade and how much I hated that trade for Washington when it happened. Uh, and it just was going to prolong mediocrity. Uh, and I, and I think that was like my best podcast I did with locked on. Uh, so I do think there's a great place for that, but for someone like me who I really wanted to move up, I didn't want to be a fan centered pod. I wanted to be someone who was taken seriously as an analyst, someone who was taken seriously as a film guy or a story guy, whatever it needed to be. And and I think going to a market where, you know, growing up, I kind of was a Colts fan, never really was a Colts fan, but like I followed the team. I liked Peyton Manning a lot. Uh, when I was a little kid, Peyton Manning had, I found out Peyton Manning, and I had the same birthday. So, you know, when you're a little kid and you find that out, one of the best players in the league is the same birthday as you, you automatically become a, a fan of that team. Uh, so I, I did like the Colts in a way, uh, but I never really had that emotional connection to them. So I think they were kind of the perfect team for me to go to and, and really, really cover. And, and honestly, I, I really do think it's really helped me get to where I am today where, you know, I'm, I'm not with a smaller site like Pro Football Spot or Breaking Football, which I was with for a while. You know, I'm with Sports Illustrated now. And I think a big part of that is me being able to, to be an actual analyst, not being uh, kind of like a fan running the show or something like that. And I think that's just really hard to do when it's your favorite team that you grew up because part of that fandom and that irrational, you know, that rational mind kind of jumps in sometimes when you're a fan covering the team. Yeah. And, and like you said, we, we talked about it with the Cowboys. Like that was the same thing for me. And, you know, once I realized that I was like, let's take a step back. But, you know, it was funny because I've always been in like most, most of the people who followed me on Twitter uh, back then I was listed as my Twitter handle was draft Cowboys. And so everything I did was NFL draft with a Cowboys lean. Mm-hmm. And so NFL draft in college has always kind of been my thing that I love the most. Like I did like doing the Cowboys stuff, but like covering the draft has always been one of my favorite things. So I thought, and this is why I did this. I go, you know what? Why don't I just totally skip over the NFL draft and I just go back to the college level. Cause I was already watching these kids, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so that's, that's why I went that route. I actually applied for a contributor position with the LSU Tigers wire. It was a new site that was about to launch in December, 2019. 
um, they saw my stuff, the, my boss saw my stuff and he said, Hey, you know, Texas, let's, let's have you do Texas Longhorns. And that's how, you know, I got into it and I thought it was really good. Like I could be critical of Texas and Tom Herman and, and, and people knew I wasn't a fan of Tom Herman, but I wasn't overly critical. Like I didn't yeah. just like any time that Tom Herman did something stupid. I was just like, that's Tom stupid. Herman. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's Tom Herman. I'm not going to, you know, overly bash him because he did, there were things that he, he could recruit. He just couldn't develop. I mean, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so those were a lot of things like, and you're seeing it now. And I, one of the questions I want to ask you is, do you know how to say the quarterback's name? What? Uh, uh, Sam, do you know how to say his last name Sam. correctly? Is it Ellinger or is it Ellinger? Or how do you say it? It's Ellinger with a Ellinger. You got hard G. Okay. Um, I was just, I was letting you know, because I know some fans, uh, I was checking out Twitter and I know Ian Rappaport had, was talking about Ellinger. And they were putting out some, uh, I saw some people tweeting them, hey, it's a hard G, you know, trying to, you know, trying mm-hmm. to, and so I was like, I was like, I'm going to ask Zach if he, if he knows how to say it. But, you know, like. Luckily, we, I haven't said his name too much, uh, you know. It won't, it won't be a problem unless Texas fans are listening because they are, uh, they are emotional about that. I mean, they, they, they do love Sam Ellinger, which I do, I do too. too. I, I love, love watching him play. Uh, he was the ultimate competitor, uh, you yeah. know, but. So I could watch Ellinger and I could be critical of him and also praise him, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the attachment that everybody else had because they had watched him play for four years. You know, I came in, it was his senior season. It was the mm-hmm. last year and, or what we thought would be last year and then turned into, Oh, well, he could come back. Uh, you know, so I can do that. And it's great because I can watch now I can watch the Colts. If Ellinger plays, I can watch the game and I can be, you know, critical and objective um, you know, praise him for the stuff that he does well, you know. And so um, on the topic of Colts, now we thought it was going to be Carson Wentz. And then the injury bug, the Liz Frank. He has to have a bone removed. Is he uh, – I saw this report, and I just want to ask you, is he on pace to be back for the start of the season? Because I know the Eagles want him to because there's a there's a draft pick tied that if he plays 70%. Yeah, uh, I will say from more of what I heard after the injury, the real timeline was probably more around four to six weeks. Uh, but there was a scenario where it could have been up to 12. That's why they said that weird five to 12 yeah. week time, spirit, time span. But he's not in a boot right now after surgery. He's on the practice field, not doing anything, but you know, just kind of moving around a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be that four to six week. I think, honestly, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say the latest is week three. He'll be back. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the draft pick, draft pick thing's still in play. But honestly, the best case for the Colts is him going out there and playing well and being completely worth that first-round pick. Uh, that, that's still to be seen. But, you know, honestly, even with Carson Wentz, say he misses one game uh, to start the year. With his injury history, it wouldn't shock me if he missed a couple more throughout the season as well. It's just uh, – His history. His history is rough. Yeah, his history with injuries is rough. But – you know, honestly, we just want to see him out there earlier than later, you know, see him actually thrown into it and see what he can do. And, and then hopefully it's all positive. You know, we don't we don't really know which way this is going to go. I know I'm, you know, Colts fans hate me for it. They call me pessimistic, but I'm of the mindset that he's going to be more of an average quarterback this year with some highs and some lows. Uh, but some will think, some think he's going to be an MVP candidate. Others think he's going to be the worst quarterback in football again. So we'll just have to see, man. Uh, we're all we're all kind of antsy about it and excited just to see him back on the field again though 
But see, isn't that though, uh, on the topic of Carson, isn't that just kind of like him, his MO though, being an up and down quarterback? I mean, we saw the highs of what, with the 20, what was it, the 2017 season? Mm -hmm. We saw the highs and then he got injured. And then ever since then, we haven't seen that same quarterback. Yeah, I think 2018 was a good season for him. Uh, I went back and watched, I think I honestly had to have watched every single throw of his NFL career. Um, 2016 was rough as a rookie. He, he didn't know how to mechanically throw the football. Uh, 2017, he got a lot better. Obviously, was an MVP candidate. Uh, it was kind of an outlier type season, though, because, I mean, his yards per attempt and his third down conversion, the red zone rate were all at such a unsustainable pace that it was never going to happen again. So it kind of skews those numbers a bit. Uh, but 2018 was a really strong season for him, and I thought he could have built off that going forward. And then 2019 – it was like that halfway point in 2019 to start going downhill. And then 2020 obviously was the, was the awful season, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. He's coming back from where there are a lot of things that you can blame on the environment there in Philly. I mean, the, the offensive line was rough towards, towards, you know, right before he got benched uh, the, the defense was injured. The receiving group was destroyed, like just awful. Uh, I mean, they were playing undrafted rookies who didn't know what route they were running most of the time. Uh, so it was, a, I mean, there's a lot of things you can point at the situation, but also a lot of things you can point at Carson Wentz as well. So I don't know. Uh, at this point, again, I just kind of want to see it. We've talked we've talked in circles around it uh, all offseason at this point, and I, I just want to see it on the field and, and, you know, see what he has. And and luckily, you know, the, the, today they, they just re-signed and, or extended Frank Reich and Chris Ballard until 2026, which – is nice because it doesn't feel like those two guys are now completely tied to whatever happens with Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz completely flops, they can move on and still have that security to, to do their next step. So honestly, at this point, I'm just kind of in the wait and see with it. And, and hopefully, hopefully he can get back to whatever he was in 2017 and 2018. And then obviously you have the two quarterbacks behind him who everybody wants to know who's, who's the next in line. Is it Jacob Eason? Um, is it, you know, is it Sam Ellinger? But at this point, does it really matter? Because everything, everything Indianapolis this coming season is tied towards Carson Wentz. Yep. Uh, because of what's at stake, and we're talking about you know a high draft pick, and obviously if Carson's healthy, they're going to go with him because he's the one who's played meaningful snaps. Because if you look at Eason's you know history, he's been in the league for a couple of years, but he hadn't really done anything. He hasn't needed to. Uh, because there was always a guy ahead of him. And then Sam's obviously a rookie quarterback. And and as we know, with rookies, you don't know what you're getting with a rookie quarterback. Uh, I mean, yeah, you had the, the one rookie quarterback I remember because I covered him, Dak Prescott. Nobody saw that coming, you know, so it's kind of like – and then Carson Wentz was the first-round pick. But if you would have looked at the 2016 season, you would have thought Dak was the first-rounder, the top two pick, if you looked at their performances. And then, obviously, you know, it changed and, and dynamics changed. But uh, looking at everything, who do you think gives Indianapolis a better chance of success if Carson went, misses time? Is it Eason or is it going with the rookie? I go back and forth on it. Uh Easton, I think, has so many issues in this game. Big arm guy, real big issues with consistency and accuracy and, and, and struggling against pressure. Uh, but his upside's there. I mean, he, he has one of the better arms of a young player that's been drafted the last couple of years. Uh, and there's a lot of things he can do, especially when he's kept clean. Ellinger does everything right at being quarterback, everything, except 
to me at least, I know people differ. I don't think he has an NFL arm. I, I really don't. I've, I've watched a lot of his Texas film, and I think anytime he really has to push it outside the numbers or into a tight window, his, his arm's just not there. And if, if we're talking college game, easy. I'm going Ellinger, like 100%. Uh, I think you can survive with that in the college game. But the NFL game, every window, every single throw is a tight window throw. Like the, the defenses are so fast. Uh, you have to be able to make those passes. And if you don't have an elite mental game, like if you're not what Philip Rivers was doing last year, because Philip Rivers last year did not have a good arm whatsoever playing for the Colts. Uh, but he knew exactly what was going to happen, what the defense was doing every single play, because he's just, you know, cerebrally just so much further ahead. Uh, so it's, it's tough for me. I think Ellinger would limit your offense, but I think he would be smarter with the ball and, and be more accurate uh, where Eason could be a complete mess back there, but he actually can't extend the, you know, the whole fields at play with him. Uh, so I think if you had to go short term, like one or two games, I go Ellinger. If it was going to be five, six, seven games, I would just throw Eason out there and just see what you got. Uh, Ellinger. I don't know how, where, I don't really know how much better Ellinger can get where Eason, there is at least potential there for him to be good, even if it's very, very small chance it happens. Uh, but, I, you know, obviously I hope neither of them ever play a snap for the Colts just because I want I want Wentz to be the guy and and never get hurt. Uh, but, you know, we have to do – we do have to prepare for the possibility that one of those guys does play. Right, right. Uh, you know, go back to your comment on Eason having a big arm. And it always seems like those quarterbacks with big arms – typically are the ones who are going to struggle with being consistent. Um, Not every quarterback with a big arm is going to be Patrick Mahomes who can throw it from any platform on a line. You know, I mean, those are, those are rare, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, like I tell people all the time, Patrick Mahomes is the exception, not the rule. Uh, Josh Allen's the exception, not the rule too. People always say that where Josh Allen was able to improve his completion percentage and his play against pressure. And I'm like, yeah, but, he's a completely different breed from what we're right. talking about. Historically, those guys don't work out, but Josh Allen's mindset and his work ethic and just his ability to improve and what the Bills do on that offense to make things easier for him has made him a success. That's not always going to happen. That's rarely going to happen, actually. Yeah, and as far as the like the mentality, the mental makeup, uh, I would give the edge to Ellinger uh, yeah. just because he is a, uh, he's a film junkie. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, uh, always trying to learn, trying to get better. Uh, I think he has the right acumen. I honestly think Ellinger is going to be a great coach one day. Me too. Um, college level, high school level, pro level, whatever, whatever level he wants to coach at. I think he's going to be great. Um, at the NFL level, I would like to see Ellinger and that's why I'm excited about preseason because I want to see him in a pro setting. Um, obviously because of, you know, what he went through at the college level. I want to see because at Texas, they used him a lot to run the ball. Why not? I mean, he's like a linebacker um, at the position. He can run over anybody. You know, he, he reminded me a lot of a uh, former quarterback in the big 12 Blake Bell in that he was a physical runner. Now I think Ellinger is much better arm, yeah. um, you know, as, as a quarterback, I think he's a, he's a better passer. Uh, but again, I want to see that at the NFL level. I want to see kind of put him on the field. And that's why I'm excited about preseason because it's probably the only time we're really going to get to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if Carson Wentz comes back and he plays. Um, you're not going to see him unless it's a blowout. And that's dependent on if he wins the, the number two gig um, or if he's the number three guy carrying the clipboard and learning 
uh, and all of that. Is is quarterback the the major question, or um, you know what's what do you know about Quint uh, Quentin Nelson? Is he going to be back, or is he further back than than what Carson Wentz is? Because I know they had similar injuries. Yeah, so it's it's really crazy. It's a surgery to do the same thing, remove the same bone in their foot, and it's such a rare surgery. Uh, and it was one there. I think in Nelson stemmed from a birth defect sort of in a way is what their theory with that. Like he was kind of born with it. And Carson Wentz was a high school injury. So it's so random. They found them just a day after each other and were able to, to do the procedures on them right after each other. But they're basically following the same timeline. I know the assumptions kind of that Nelson will be back before Wentz. And it's not that Wentz isn't tough. It's just that Quentin Nelson will play through anything. So if it's even if he's even at 50% going into week one, he'll probably play just because that's how that's how offensive linemen are built. They're just they're just crazy wired like that. And um, Notre Dame offensive lineman Zach Martin's the same way. I'm like, yeah, like it took a lot for him not to play last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he'll play, he'll play through anything. So I yeah. think it's yeah, it's uh, offensive linemen. They're all about toughness. Like if they can't play, you know, they're hurting. Yeah, really so, so if I'm saying week three by the latest for Carson Wentz, I mean, I'd, um, I'm i very, very certain that Nelson will be there by week one. Maybe week – I mean, maybe week two if they just hold him out against his will in week one. But uh, I'm pretty sure both will be back within the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, but that, that's interesting. Let's talk about that for a second. A quarterback, you know, Liz Frank injury, to me – is worse than an offensive lineman. Do offensive linemen have to run a lot? Yes, they do, and they have to be mobile. But um, I just like to me. I, I just when I look at it, I would figure Quentin Nelson be back sooner because he doesn't have to run near as much. You know, I mean, if they pull him or you know, you know, you know, if they're doing screen game, whatever. I still think he he would be able to get by with with what he has, you know. I mean, yeah, get the surgery, get it out of the way before the season starts. But to me, I don't I don't think he's going to be not playing uh, mm-hmm. because of it. Yeah, I think the big thing they kind of been saying was if this were a wide receiver or a running back or a corner or something like that, this would be a little bit longer of a recovery for those guys. But because Wentz and Nelson aren't really always doing sharp cuts or doing stuff like that. It's a little bit of a quicker recovery for those guys is kind of the way they've been putting it. So I think they'll both be back early. Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent. I, th- I think they'll be back. Um, I, I had heard the 12 weeks. And then when I started seeing reports, I was like, Oh, maybe not 12 weeks. Um, yeah, but let's, uh, before I get you out of here, let's do a, a little bit of draft talk. Um, cause you know, I love the draft and I know you do draft as well. Is there any like particular players that you're excited about scouting this upcoming season? So I haven't watched too many guys. I try to, I kind of go on a cleanse after the draft. You know, I kind of, what I do is I think it's like, it's like January that I just throw myself into the draft all the way until, you know, April. up May. until April. Like it's all you, it's all you do. I mean, you look a little bit at free agency stuff, but it's, literally everything like interviewing players, breaking down film, uh, everything is, is draft related. So I really haven't dove too much into it. I will say a couple guys that I liked and they're not really guys that anyone really has on the radar. Um, Iowa state has this pass rusher. Uh, will McDonald is his name. Uh, super lengthy athletic freak. I think he had like 
He had, yeah, he had like eight or nine sacks last year yep. too. I don't know why people aren't talking about him more. I think Ben no. Fennell tweeted about him not too long ago. But. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the Mike Rose, he gets a lot of the uh, attention with Iowa State defense, obviously. Is he the linebacker? He was the linebacker, whereas yeah. number 23, he was a uh, big 12 defensive player of the year last year. He's likely going to win it again this year. Yeah. Um, you know, they have some other players, but like Iowa State, like getting to the New Year's Six last year with the Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, nobody saw that coming. Um, and so, you know, I just don't think that they get the hype. I mean, the guys that you know of are the quarterback, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, um, the tight ends, Charlie Kohler. Um, you know, they have all the tight ends in the world. And so I, I just think that he gets overlooked because you have so many other players, uh, yeah. like a Mike Rose or, you know, some of their safeties are, are really good. Their cornerbacks are good. You know, they have really well-coached players. But yeah, so you're right. So Will McDonald, I'm aware of him, obviously, because I covered the Big 12 yeah. for the last couple of years. But, uh, but yeah, so that's why you're not hearing about it. You know, so it's uh, – but, but you're right. He's a, he's a guy to watch. And like mm-hmm. I said, Mike Rose, uh, being in the Big 12, um, I'm excited watching the guy, but he's not even draft eligible next year, and that's B. John Robinson out of Texas. I actually love this kid. Running back, right? Yeah, running back. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of Mr. Do-It-All. Um, yep. You know, so it sucks because I kind of feel like watching Bijan this upcoming season is how I felt last year with Derek Stingley Jr. And I'm like, this sucks. He, he still can't come out for another year. You know, and he had a bad season last year because he was injured, and we'll kind of see him this year um, along with Eli Ricks, who, again, will be just like Derek last year, still not draft eligible for another year. Because uh, he was just a freshman last year, um, you know those are some of the guys I'm interested. In. I'm I am also interested to see uh, because I'm interested every year that Lincoln Riley has a quarterback. I want to see where Spencer Rattler is going to go. Yeah, because I I'm, honestly I'm one of those guys who I think as of right now he's quarterback one for this upcoming draft. Uh, I, I, and honestly, I don't think it's very close. And even though I know Rattler has some areas to improve in and be better. I don't think any of the other – like Howell, I'm not a huge fan of Howell. Uh, Slovis, watching him last year, I was not a fan at all. Well, I think QB2 is really up between Howell and uh, the Liberty quarterback. Yeah, uh, I like Willis too, but he – or uh, is it Willis or Wills? Yeah, I think it's Willis, Malik Willis. Yeah, Willis. I think he's super fun and traitsy, but I just – I don't see it right now. I don't know. that Outside of Rattler, there's no quarterback that I really, really like. Uh, for this next year's class. Um, yeah, I'm excited for Rattler, though. I mean, Rattler's going to have a great season, be up there yeah. for the Heisman for sure, and and he'll solidify the top spot in the draft. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in that. But He's going to be a Houston Texan because they're going to draft number one. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, as long as anyone – if they start anyone but Deshaun Watson, I'll be happy. That guy is just uh, – I, I, I think I heard a report that he's not going to play a single snap this yeah. year. Uh, yeah. And – so, yeah, we'll see. Last thing I'm going to ask you, what did you think about the NCAA's decision today to not punish Baylor? They get four years probation and a $5,000 fine for all that crap that went on <laughs> under Art Bryles. Um, I, I'm the only – I just had like – I just tweeted a gif of question mark because I didn't – I was like, I don't get it. Buddy, you I could, know covering LSU, I'm about to get into that with LSU too. Uh, buddy, you could make a whole entire podcast strictly on NCAA. why NCAA sucks and why it's one of the most – I mean, outside of – I think it was FIFA that had all that corruption a couple of years ago. Uh, but outside of FIFA, it has to be one of the most corrupt 
sports organizations in in the world. I mean, it's it's atrocious. What's which is funny because uh, people, you know, when people talk about the NCAA and their power, da da da, and I said, well, when it comes to the game of football, they have no power. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FBS, the Power Five conferences, they run it. You know, it's it's not NCAA. They're just there to make sure academically and all this other stuff, um, which is why I think that FBS just need to withdraw from. Uh, what I think NCAA. is, I, I you know, you're you're a college guy, so you probably don't even agree with me when I think even think this, but the NFL could literally just destroy college college football right now. If all they had to do is say, eight, when you turn eighteen, you're eligible for the draft, and we'll set up these like XFL or AFL teams as like. Age, you know how in hockey has like the AHL and all uh, that the stuff? minor leagues. Yeah. yeah, all you got to do is that, and just say kids are eligible to play in these like minor league systems for us, and we'll put it in the spring. And college football's dead, completely dead. <laughs> I mean, and I always, I'm always kind of a fan of just doing like because college sport, just because I hate NCAA so much. Right. I, I no, I, I get it. I get. I it. just kind of like I think about that for bas- college basketball too. I'm just like make it 18 and throw all these kids in the G League if they're not ready and Kind of well, go from you, there. And you're seeing that right now. Like some yeah, of you are kids, seeing it kind of get that way, which is great. You know, I, I, they're they're going, oh, I'm not going to play college ball or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll play a year and then I'll go to the pros, you know. And so you're getting that, which, yeah, the NCAA is corrupt. I just like – I just couldn't – I was just like blown away uh, when I Yeah, I can't – I mean, there's corrupt and then there's something like this where it's just like disgusting. I mean – It's like how do you – and honestly, if you're if you're Penn State, how upset are you right now? I mean, you obviously can't push back on it because of how awful the Penn State stuff was. But well, like, you have to look at it and go, wait a sec. Why did we get? What was it like five? Everyone was able to transfer out of Penn State, and they got like five years of bans or something like that. Yeah. And then very very similar situation happens here. Obviously, it's not with kids. It's with you know. I mean, it's equally as gross. It's just disgusting. I mean, it's, you know, college students. Yeah, I mean, it's disgusting. It's awful. It's it's awful all the way around. It was just kind of like, for me, when I heard that, I was like. And and Baylor gets nothing when Penn State got, like, the death penalty, essentially. And and rightfully so. I mean, Baylor should get what Penn State was getting. But, I mean, if you're Penn State, you're probably looking at this like, why did we get, like, killed for it? And they're getting nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was a tough deal, but I was just kind of curious what you what your thoughts on it. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Third Down Conversion Podcast. I am your host. I will be back next time. More guests as we take a different approach to college football podcasting, NFL podcast. If it's in the game of football, we're going to be talking about it right here on the Third Down Conversion Podcast. <laughs>